my privilege to read to you before Don comes to speak. And I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Luke was a doctor uh, in the first century, and he wrote this biography about Jesus Christ. And so we can um, trust these words. There were those who could check it out at the time and contradict him if it wasn't true. So we can take this as as a true record from Luke recording the life of Jesus Christ. And in this particular account, Jesus is speaking to the people in what's known as a parable. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the youngest son got all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything there, was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, But no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed a fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. And you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found.
Amen. Don, I'm going to ask you to, to come and, and uh, speak. I'm going to give you the chair here. It's a real privilege to have Don with us. You can get up there, can you? Are you sure? Do you want me to give you a hand? Well done. Thank you, brother. If you want to sit down. Uh, I, I think it's always an honor when somebody who's been speaking for decades comes to speak. Don't you? Let's give Don a round of applause, shall we? You know, this is a, a man who's been sharing the good news of Jesus Christ for many, many years. And uh, he's still got as much fire in his belly as he had when he began. Uh, I meet up with Don most months and spend an hour chatting and praying together. And is uh, is a, a man who loves God. Is a man who loves to see others find out the good news and, and be transformed through Jesus Christ. And so let's pray for Don. Lord, I thank you for Don. Lord, I thank you for the decades of ministry, those decades where he has faithfully shared the good news about you. And I thank you for the many lives that have been transformed over those years of as they have seen that this is real, that this is true, that you are indeed God and that you want to know them. And Lord, I pray that you would, through Don, speak to us. Holy Spirit, come and speak through Don, that we might hear your voice and know your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Amen. Bless you. <coughs> well, it's a real privilege to be here today with you on your first anniversary in this building. That's the last time I was here as well, but it's, it's great to be here. And uh, I said to John when I came this morning into the building, I said, you've got a little bit of heaven here. And, uh, you know, isn't it nice to have a little taste of heaven? Amen. Also, you know, I have been so blessed by what we've been singing. Uh, as an itinerant, uh, I am in a different congregation almost every week. And so you get a d- different set of songs that you sing. And as the itinerant preacher, I'm always reaching out, you know, what is this church saying? Uh, as they sing, because we're not just singing words. There's something vital and deep about it. And uh, I think you'll find out uh, when I got through this morning that the songs and the message just knit together perfectly. And uh, that's how the Holy Spirit works amongst us. This is a great story, it's a popular story uh, that uh, Jesus told and today, even 2,000 plus years later, we uh, are still uh, proclaiming this story because it's so true. It's a family and there is a father and two sons and they are living there and enjoying life and suddenly one of them gets the idea 
I don't want to wait any longer for my share of the inheritance. I want it now. And so he pleads with the father, please can I have my inheritance now? And the father, in the end, gives in and gives the young man his share of his inheritance. We don't know exactly how much it was, but I don't think it was a small amount. And the son took it and he sorted himself out, what do I want to do? And then his idea was, I want to go into a far country. And somehow I got a feeling that inside he was feeling, I want to get away from father. I, I want to get away from him for a while. And uh, you know, there are people that do that, even these days. And uh, so the son, he took his inheritance and off he goes into this far country. And he begins to uh, live what one would call today wild living. And uh, there he was spending his money, and as long as he got money, he'd got friends. Isn't that true? If, if Sometimes if you've got something, people want to know you because... Spending time with you, you might get access into their possessions. And so the, away they go, and s- suddenly this son realizes that he's coming to the end of the money. And when it was coming to the end of the money, it was coming to the end of the friends. And he got to the place where All the money was gone and then a famine came along into the area as well. So there was nothing to eat. There was not even wild berries or anything. It was all withering away. And there he was in a far country, away from family, away from father, away from friends. And now he's in dire trouble. And the Bible tells us that he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And you know, the citizen of the country sent him to feed the pigs. When you stop and think, a Jew being sent to feed the pigs. That's about as low as a Jew could ever get to be sent to feed the pigs. And the citizens of the country didn't give him anything. And he would like to have eaten the pods that the pigs were eaten and nobody gave him anything. You know, when if we can stop and think for a moment, nobody gave him anything because they didn't have what he wanted. There were 
two different things to think about. This guy was out living wild. He, he had no resources anymore. And he was there living uh, and longing to eat the pods in the pigsty. He sunk as low as anyone could get. And he went and joined himself, the Bible says, to a citizen of the country. Now, when you go and join yourself to a citizen of the country, you're, you're joining up with the world. And this guy, he didn't just need food. He needed something else. You know, you've got food bank downstairs. And thank God for it. And it, it, it helps people and blesses people. But every person who comes to food bank needs something else to feed upon. And the Bible tells us in John four thirteen, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. And whoever believes in me will never thirst. The Bible tells us that this, what Jesus provides, that spiritual food, hallelujah, and here's some good food, and uh, it's full of it, and it's food that will satisfy you and get you through life and get you on the way. You might have a plate of fish and chips, but you also need the feeding of the word of God and also drinking the wine of heaven that Jesus gives you. And Jesus says, it is in us and we need to realize that's what Jesus wants to do. When you're born again, when you come to Christ, when you surrender your life in repentance and faith to Jesus, what happens? Jesus puts his life in you. And that life is full of the bread of heaven and the wine of heaven for us. And this poor man, he needed it, but there was nobody in the world that could give it to them. We need God's men and women to come and bring us the living word and the new wine. Verse 17 then tells us when he came to his senses. He said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying with hunger. He remembered father's house, where there was plenty, and he was perishing with hunger. If we can just set the picture for a moment. There's the father. This is an amazing father. In fact, I believe Jesus would expect us to look upon the father as father God in heaven. And what is father doing? 
He's longing for this son to come back to him. And uh, I imagine him every day going out to look onto the horizon to see if he could see this son coming back. And uh, I can imagine him going and taking a pair of binoculars uh, uh, or a telescope in these days and going out and looking out to the horizon to see if his son is coming. Because when a person goes away from God and in a sense you can make this story that Jesus told one about backsliders that once was in father's house and has gone away from uh, father and gone into a distant country and spent all his money on wild living. But the father still loves him. And whoever you are here this morning or whyever you're here, I want to tell you God sends me with a message to tell you that God loves you. If you're in an utter mess, God loves you. And God will go on loving you. And this love in the Father just sent him out looking for the prodigal son to come back. And he's looking for you this morning. I want to tell you, whoever you are, some of the young people... Some of the others, the oldest, God loves you and he's looking for you. And it's not an accident that you're here in this meeting this morning. I believe you're here because God wants you here. And he's got a whole lot of love he wants to pour into your life afresh. And so this son suddenly takes off. And he's walking back to father's house. He's on his way. And he's set in his heart what he's going to say when he gets there. He's going to say, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. And I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me one of thy hired servants. And I can just imagine this son walking along the road repeating to himself what he's going to do because he's got to go and face father he's got to go and humble himself and so he is making sure he's got it right and so he keeps on saying I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son make me as one of thy hired servants (coughs) And as he travels on, suddenly the father sees the horizon breaking. There's somebody coming. I wonder if it's my son. And he looks and he looks and suddenly he sees it is his son. And so he takes off as fast as his heel can carry him. He runs because that's what God's like. He he. He wants to shower his love upon you. He, 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 if you take one step to him, he's going to take a mile to you and come to you. So, 
please, this morning, if you're here, make sure you take a step towards God, whatever your condition, whatever it is you need, make sure that you come towards God. And so, he gets there, and the father runs up, and he didn't give him a chance to say his little bit that he worked out that he needed to say. The father just throws his arms around him and give him a great big cuddle. Did you know God wants to give you a great big cuddle? That's what he's like. And uh, he just poured his love into the man. And I just can feel something of what that son, that rebellious son was like. As the father hugged him and loved him, those hurts and those things that he'd done wrong began to melt within him. Because when you come to God, you come by grace alone. You come because of what God's done for you, not what you've done for him. You come for what the Lord has done. And so, here we are, with the cuddle going on, and then suddenly we get to the place where the son is responding to his father who has poured his love out upon him and has freed him from being all knotted up and tied up. And so he begins to tell his father why he's come. I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. If you're ever going to come to God, you come on God's terms and you admit that you have sinned. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And this morning, if you're coming to God, you come on God's terms and unless you repent, you perish, Jesus said. And so, coming to the Father, the Son was making it quite clear why he come. I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to become your son. He felt how unworthy he was. He was humble. He was coming broken because he'd sinned and let his father down and then he was going to say make me one of thy hired servants but the father wasn't going to let him say that he interrupted when he got to make me to make me one of your servants, the father stopped him saying it 
and said, quick! And I've underlined that in my Bible, in that verse. Quick! Can you imagine God saying, quick! This son had come and and he'd said all the father needed to hear. I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight and no more worthy to be called your son. Stop. Because God has no servants as far as relationships is concerned. We, We can be a servant to one another but our relationship with God is as a son. And God restored this son that had been away living so wild. He restored him straight away back to be a son. And how wonderful that is to be a son of God again. When you're born again, you're born into God's family. In Galatians 4, verse 4 to 7, But when the right time came, God sent his Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us, who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us, as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, uh, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. What a wonderful thing it is that God does for us when we come to him. You know, I've been to Israel many times and one of the things I enjoy most about going to Israel is hearing the children come out of school. And uh, they come out of school and they... those that got their father there to meet them and take them to their home, you hear the children running up to their father saying, Abba, Abba, Abba. And that just reminds me how beautiful it is when we come into relationship with God. We come as one of his own special sons and he becomes our Abba Father. And Abba can also mean Daddy or Papa. And uh, and this is the wonderful relationship we're brought into. Uh, Romans 8.15 says it again. The spirit of adoption is what God uh, gives to us. We're adopted into God's family. Almost every day... Uh, I go to the Lord and say, Lord, thank you for adopting me into your family. That you're my father. And I'm a son of yours. Because that's the relationship that we have. 
when the father said, quick, that was to those in his household that he was wanting to get the best robe and put it on him. The best robe. In other words, don't go down to Oxfam and get a second-hand one. The very best robe there is, I want to put on this son who has come back to me. And uh, that best robe is the robe of righteousness. The robe of righteousness. You find... It in Isaiah 61 and verse 10. And Isaiah is writing and he says, I am overwhelmed with the joy in the Lord my God. For he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. And it's nothing to do with what we have done. It's all to do with what God has done for us, what Jesus has done for us. Here we are, and God wants to wrap his robe of righteousness around us. The robe of righteousness is the life of Jesus, the purity of Jesus, that we are clothed with his righteousness, not ours. Because ours is not good enough. But his is the perfect righteousness. And so we have on the best robe. And then he says, put a ring on his finger. He wanted his son to have the ring. What is the ring? I believe it's the signet ring. That back in those days, you had a signet ring when you want to... uh, writes uh, like a check you have the signet ring to sign it with uh, and it is giving the son access into his bank account into his provision he was giving all he need and I want to tell you this morning that God wants you to have everything you ever need. God will supply it. You know, the Apostle Paul says, uh, God will supply all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus the Lord. I don't know about you, but I think he's very rich. But he gives it all. And... Uh, 2 Corinthians one twenty is the verse I saw fitted here perfectly. For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him are men to the glory of God through us. All the promises of God. You know, I, I often tell the story, you might have told it here before, but I think it's worth telling again the little woman that used to go into church and sit down in her pew uh, and while she was waiting for the service to start, she would open her Bible and read. And a new minister came along and as he went round, he was very friendly, he used to go and greet people. He noticed this woman was reading 
if I'm a Bible, and whatever page, and after about three years, he noticed that uh, whatever page she was on, she wrote T and P. T and P. And there were T's and P's all over her Bible. And uh, curiosity got the better of the minister. And he said, excuse me, sister, but what are all those T's and P's in the margins of your Bible? She said, oh, that's easy. When you came here three years ago, in your first sermon, you told us that God had got thousands of promises in the Word of God for us. Thousands of promises in the Word of God. And, you know, I want to tell you, God's got thousands of promises in the Word of God for you, whoever you are. God's got these promises for you. And she said, oh, that's easy. When you preached and you said there were thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of promises, I thought there's no point having them in the Bible. She said, so when I find a promise, I test it and prove it. And the T's and P's are the ones I tested and proved. I want to ask you, how many T's and P's could you put in the margin of your Bible today? That's a good question to ask yourself. And so, all the promises of God are yours in Christ. And that leaves us with the shoes on his feet. Shoes on his feet. Ephesians 6.15 For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In other words, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is what we put on our feet. We walk in the gospel, in the Holy Spirit. We walk with God. Uh, I used to love a little song that we used to sing and it went something like this. I'm not going to try and sing it this morning. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known. If we're walking with Jesus, that's the way it is. And that's what he wants us to do, walk in the gospel. If you don't know the gospel, let me tell you, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have a lasting life. That's God's gospel to you. He sent his son who went to the cross and he bled and he died and he suffered to take your sin and my sin on the cross. He took the punishment that we deserve but he took it for us. And on the cross he shed his blood and it's the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, that cleanses us from all sin. And he died and was buried 
in the tomb. But on the third day, God raised him back to life again. And Jesus is alive. And it's Jesus. The gospel is Jesus, 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 and then Jesus again. And if you are prepared to come to Jesus and invite him into your life, you can become one of his children like others have. And then the other son, he came back and he heard that there was music and dancing going on. What is going on in here? The father has killed the fatted calf and there's music and there's dancing going on. You know, in the 50s and 60s, there was a revival, a very powerful revival going on in Rwanda and also parts of Uganda and parts of Kenya. And... uh, In the 60s, I had the privilege going for my first uh, trip to East Africa. And I suppose I'd heard there was a revival, but I didn't know what it meant or anything. And on the Sunday, I was preaching in an Anglican church. And I, I was just done double, preached the way. You know, if I was in an Anglican church, you have to put up with me as I am, just like I am in Light and Life or the Baptist or anywhere else. I, I, I feel God's called me to be an evangelist and I will evangelize. And so there I was and I made the note, the call, and I invited people to come and give their lives to Christ and some came. And the next thing I knew... I'd never heard of it, never seen it. Everybody else started dancing. And there they were, dancing all over the the place. And uh, they were singing. And uh, afterwards, I asked, uh, what were you singing? And what they were singing was the revival song from the from Rwanda uh, and everybody got excited when somebody else came to Christ and uh, uh, it was Tukatangariza that's what they were singing and this revival the the key of it when people came to Christ was you sung and danced the Tukatangariza and that's all part that to me, a revival. Where there's revival, people get so excited about others getting saved. Uh, 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 and they want to sing and they want to dance and they want to celebrate. And uh, so the father's uh, whole thing, now my son is back home, we're going to celebrate. We're going to have a fatted calf, we're going to have a lovely feast, we're going to sing and we're going to give glory to God. So what are you going to do about it this morning? You know, the father came out to the son, the second son, and he wasn't very good. 
And uh, I'm not going to preach about him this morning, but the words of the father to the second son are the key words I want to close with this morning. And it was, this your son was dead and is alive again. There is very dynamic words. This, your son, my son was dead. My son was dead. He lost his relationship with God. He lost the intimacy with his father. He'd gone out into a far country and he was dead. You know, I meet people, some people, who they can tell me they feel dead when they're not right with God. Either they've never come to Christ or they're backslidden. They feel dead. And there's only one thing that can change that death and that is the life of Jesus. The life of Jesus. What Jesus has done for you upon the cross is the only thing that can change that which was dead. And Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly.